good today to anybody who's new. Just a big warm welcome. Feel free to stick around after service just to talk and meet people. We're really loving and we really just have so much room to grow and so much room to just have more people in life. And we're just excited to have you guys here. So thank you for being here.
Welcome to Hill City Church. Welcome to, uh, this doesn't mean to sound pious, but God's presence, that uh, we believe that God's presence is here. Um, we're nothing special, and, uh, but we, we ask and we, we, we almost demand sometimes God's presence because that's what changes us, amen? That's the gospel, Candace, that we found a way that we were death, we felt dead, and a lot of us who proclaim Jesus and, and are Christians, we, 
we, we know that we've found something. And uh, there's a mystery of God. And if you're new to this thing, and uh, you know, some of this may be different, but man, we just found that the message of Jesus and, and living life with him, we will never go back. I will never go back to living my life like I was. There's nothing better than Jesus. Nothing better than a Holy Ghost party. <laughs> Sorry, that was like internal. But uh, man, God's good. Amen? Say, God is good. Nothing can separate us. And uh, God is good. You guys can come forward. We're going to continue in our worship and giving. Um, not a lot of announcements this morning, so I won't bog you down with that. I know some of our kids, uh, little, like kids, kids, uh, you know, I'm getting older now. Now a kid is like, you know, you're, you're not a kid, right? But if, you're, if I was to say kid, what would you say? Are you a kid? No, he's not a kid, right? You know, as you get older, kids get older. <laughs> Thank you. I got some Paul Frank bandages. Anybody want this? All right. Uh, so the, uh, I was, I was uh, mowing my, my kids wanted to mow the grass. Who likes mowing the grass here? I didn't say if you don't like it. I said, do you like it? So I actually like mowing the grass. I like mowing the grass because it's instant gratification. There's things in life that you work on forever, right? And you ever and ever, and you never see it's come fruition. Maybe after like three years. I love grass because it looks bad and about, well, it doesn't look bad. It just looks long. And then 30 minutes later, it looks good, right? And so I like mowing the lawn. So we got my daughters out there who are six and eight, and they wanted to mow the grass. And we got them out there, and they're not good at it. <laughs> it's like, it's bad. Um, but they've never done it, right? And they get this lawnmower that's self-propelled, and it's, it's going, and they're, they're just, they don't know the concept of lines. Right? It's like meandering through the lawn. I'm like, eh, that's one way to do it. <laughs> that's one way to live your life. But they, they're going through and just kind of winding through, and, and I'm yelling at them because I don't think they can hear me over the lawnmower. <laughs> they're like, Dad, why are you yelling at me? I'm like, no, stay straight, stay this way. And, and I was just like, God, I, I can't tell you how many times... Uh, for me, uh, so Jesus spoke. Uh, Jesus spoke, uh, taught in parables. If you know what a parable is, basically a story, an analogy, a metaphor about the kingdom of God. Okay, because he had to break it down. Because if he really told us the, the real reason, we'd probably be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? When he's talking about hell or generosity or truth or grace or any of these things, use stories. So for me, God speaks to me in mowing the lawn. Call it crazy. But I'm out there with my daughter, and I'm not God, but in a sense of the father-daughter, father-son relationship, that's what God is, right? That's what we, we, we live with. So as I'm going through my daughter, as, I, as she's mowing, I'm just watching her go all over the place. And, you know, all I could think was she's going forward. She's moving forward. And she looks behind her, and she cut grass. And sometimes in our life, we're like, I didn't do it very well. I'm doing this church thing pretty sucky. Or I'm not a good Christian, or I'm not following this thing. And it's so hard. I'm off the road, I'm, I'm the, 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 the blades are hitting rocks, right, or whatever. I'm, I'm really bad at this thing. And you know what? At Hill City Church, man, we say, we had this bold moose thing, like, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. God does not, demand great, uh, does not demand perfection. That's what grace is for. We have a perfect God who doesn't require perfect people, and that's what grace is for. So grace is the ability to look at it and say, you're moving forward, you're cutting grass, and I don't care how you get there. <laughs> And, uh, and ultimately, my daughters got better. They, they, they're still not good, but <laughs> they're getting there. And they're cutting straighter lines, and there's getting more grass in the bag. And at the end of the day, when you're done, it looks beautiful. And man, I just believe in my heart, and we believe that God makes beautiful things out of us. And not a perfect path. There's not one prescription to get there. Does anybody's walk in the faith look the same? There's probably about 100 and some people in this room. Every single one of us would have a different journey. Every single one of us has a different story, has a different testimony. But the beautiful thing is that, man, God is good. That God is real. God is good. How can it be that a third, a th two billion people on this planet have experienced the glory of God? And I just pray, man, that we just keep feeding that. We were serving the worship. I'm sorry, John, I'm going so long. But I just feel that, man, I, I, was, I was running on a keystone last week, and I and I also worship running. Anybody else worship while exercising? I'm the only one. All right. But I will tell you, for me running and listening to worship music, I was listening to that song, God, I want more of you. 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 That Increasing that appetite, increasing that. Often we're like, God, I, give us more. Give us more. And uh, I want, you know, but to, to change your posture, Alan, and say, I want more of you.
When my wife does that, not in a weird way, but when she says, I want more of you, that is a good thing. I should have cut off about a minute ago. Come on. But sometimes the closest thing to, to God is other people, okay? And other people, God speaks to me through other people. We need each other. When the song says, I, Jesus, you're all I need, I actually believe in that, but I believe that we need Jesus through people. We need, to reveal, we need the, the, the revelation of God experienced through people. And when my wife or my son then say, uh, you know, I want to be with you, Dad. Man, you just, when you think about that and someone says they want you, they want to meet with you, they want to be with you, doesn't that feel like just right? And when my, um, just think about God. <laughs> when we turn to him and we say, God, I want to be with you. He doesn't need us, Monica. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need Paul Frank, one of seven billion people on this planet. But I know that the change in the posture is the relationship with God that he's called us to. That there's a relationship to be had with this God. And I pray that as we as Christians, that when we go through the good times, the bad times, the highs, the lows, nothing can separate us. It's all about the pursuit of God and his revelation to us in that pursuit. So that's the gospel. That's the gospel that he lifts us up in these moments of trials and tribulations of not being perfect. Man, mow that grass. Keep moving forward. Don't be perfect, but just keep moving forward. God, I want more of you. Just pray with me this morning. God, we want more of you this morning at Hill City Church. We want more of you. We change our posture. We change our eyes. We change our position, our perspective, our view, and we say, God, I'm po pointing myself at you this morning. If it literally means facing up towards the sky, so be it. But God, I sit here and I say, I want more of you, and not just the words, but that my actions, my thoughts, the rhythm of my life would be pivoted and, and positioned around the pursuit of you, God. I want more of you. You are real, God. And I pray that in this small moment of saying, I want more of you, God, that you answer that. And we believe in that, God, even if it's in small doses, because sometimes that's all that we can handle. But God, I pray right now, even as this church collectively pursues you and, and changes our hearts as we want more of you, that that would be... Um, that that would be manifested this morning in this place through John as he continues to speak. And God, we love your message. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you for your giving. Good morning. Talk to your neighbor. Tell him what's up. How are you? It's very nice Asian mustache that you have. You Don't say that to a lady. But good morning. Welcome to Hill City. My name is John. And, uh, and the mission we have here is that we want to live like Jesus in community for this community. So we invite people into our lives. We invite people. And we, sometimes we invite ourselves into people's lives to care, to encourage, to listen, to be more human. And that, those words, to be more human, is coming alive in me as I'm thinking about how God wants us to live Sometimes we live in, uh, I call it the matrix. We live in the matrix. We do the same thing. We compute, right? We wake up, do the same thing, drink the coffee, go to the same place. And sometimes we live in the matrix. And sometimes you got to step out and be more human. Come alive. Because people matter to God. And that means people matter to us. And so we've been in this series called Won't You Be My Neighbor, and I believe one of the greatest things we can do to impact this world is not just, we always think about greatness as something we're not doing, right? It's something we can achieve later, but I believe greatness is loving the person right next to you. If you want to make the greatest achievement of life, begin to love the person right next to you until God opens doors and doors are opening so that you can move into different spaces and places. Just look around where we live, work, and hang out and love the person next to you. Because the goal of neighboring is not bringing people to church. I know, which is great. I would love to say, the goal, your goal is this, you know. But the goal of neighboring is to be a better neighbor. That's right. 
And, uh, and to be a better listener, to be a better uh, front porch hanger-outer, or be the best barbecuer, party thrower, and welcoming committee in your neighborhood. And this takes effort. We know this. We know neighboring takes effort. We've been doing this thing, I, I think I have it, uh, and uh, we've put it on our fridge, and we, I, I've got another name on here. I'm doing good. So uh, I should order more of these, but this is just a magnet on your fridge. Your house is in the middle. Do you know the eight neighbors around you? And, and, and we're filling this out, and we're just figuring out if we know the names of the eight people around us. Not like, oh, yeah, that's the guy with the chihuahua. Oh, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the lady with the mullet. You know, not, not that, right? No, we, we're actually learning names. Sorry, I apologize. I don't know where it went there. But we're learning names of people around us. And, and some of you guys are excellent. You guys are like, all right, someone came up to me and said, I know 12 neighbors. I'm like, good for you. Shut your mouth. Right? I know, I know six. All right? And we're moving to eight. But try to get to know eight people because knowing their name matters. Because once you know their name, you want to know their story, you want to know their life, and you get deeper into this relationship called life. And, and, and so just get to know their name. So if you have your Bibles, please go to Mark chapter 12. Yeah, we celebrate the Word of God. It reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes lives. So we're going to read Mark 12, verse 28. If you don't have your Bibles or Bible apps, it's going to be right behind me. And I'm going to read from the ESV. But uh, let's go. And one of the scribes, one of these teachers, came up and heard them disputing. Jesus was talking in the temple here. And he was seeing that he answered them well. He's like, this Jesus, he got, he got things down. So he asked them, which commandment, and this is a tricky kind of commandment, right? Which commandment is the most important of all? And so it, it, today, if you would sit in this room, and Jesus was in this room, and you're asked, Jesus, what is the most important of all? Verse 29, Jesus answered, the most important is this, and he's actually repeating from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It's interesting. So he reads from both Deuteronomy and Leviticus. So, and he's right all over scripture, you see that people are asking Jesus, what's the most important? What matters most, Jesus? What's the single command I must follow? And Jesus answers each time the same way. Your primary place of affection and attention starts with God. Your primary affection and attention must start with God. And, and, and he could have stopped there. You would have been, oh, like, uh, that's good. That's good. I can go from there. But he continues. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we're like, that, that one's hard. The first one, we kind of know how to do our religious duties and show up to church and act nice and smile. But the second one, it like, oh, the people are messy right people are messy but this is so interesting people ask Jesus what is the single command that's most important and Jesus answers there is no other command singular greater than these plural think about that that's very very interesting why do you answer a singular command with a plural answer and then you say yeah the, the command is two things what what, what you're confusing me Jesus you you need to go learn some grammar you know we, but Jesus is actually trying to tell us something through this and I believe John answers this one of the students of Jesus in first John 4 20 to 21 it says it says this if anyone says and this is tough all right so drink this in with me I'm drinking this in too right if anyone says I love God right and we say that we worship God today man I love God and hates his brother he's a liar Mm, that's tough. I don't, I don't like that. But what about that one dude down the street? No one likes him. God, do you even like him? And, and Jesus brings you back. If you say, I love God, yet hate his, hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God who is not seen. Verse 21. And this commandment, singular, we have heard from him. Whoever loves God must also love his neighbor. Plural. What he's saying here is you cannot separate loving God and loving people. 
You cannot separate. I know we like to do, uh, we like to compartmentalize and separate all sorts of stuff. You cannot separate loving God and loving people. Loving, pe- loving people is the way you love God. I'm going to say that again. This is heavy. Loving people is the way you love God. John here is conveying the greatest litmus test of your affection for God is your love for people. You want to test how spiritual you are? Don't tell me the deepest theologies. Tell me how you love the guy that no one likes. When it's really, really difficult. When it has to cost you. When it's something that just doesn't, oh, it's so easy. No, it's not that easy. Your love for God is verified for your love for others. You still with me? You still with me? Right? And your loving can't stop with an understanding or mere thinking about loving. Right? I I thought about loving them. God told you. I'm loving them, right? That's just like liking something on Facebook. Have you ever liked something? You're like, I'm making a difference, man. I like that. I like that. You should have seen how many likes I put up. It was awesome. I was, I'm, I'm just changing lives all over the world. Like orphans in Ethiopia, I liked it, right? Like, uh, you, like I just, I'm just liking stuff all over the place today. But that's how it is. You can acknowledge it and agree with it and even emotionally connect with it, and you like it and you move on. And a lot of our, 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 us, we can be in this boat because it's kind of our system now. It used to not be our system back in the day, but it's so easy to agree with something and move on. I liked it. I, I put a heart around it, right? I said, yep, what's up? I put that little hand sign that makes the whatever or the clap sign on your emojis, and you're like, oh, man, I liked it, right? But it just, just like that, it doesn't mean you're actually loving, even though you might feel like it. Real love must be applied through your living that love out. It takes activity, and it takes cost. Real love will cost you always. I know, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound good, right? But the Bible is saying, once again, it's impossible to love God and hate your neighbor. It's impossible. (sighs) That one's a tough one. Because we like to make those two different commands, like, I'm going to love God and I'm going to like my neighbor, maybe, you know, but but Jesus brings them together each time when we want to separate them as two different things. Think about that. Chew that over for a moment. And what Jesus is saying, if you, if you love, say you love God and hate your neighbor, then you don't really know God. Then you don't really know me. Listen, listen to this. And the parents can understand this. Christina, if you said, man, John, I, re- man, I love you and your family. I just hate your kids. <laughs> then we're not good. We can't be good. If people love me but hate my kids, we're just not that good. Right? If you, if you love me but hate Candace, which is, you know, it's easier to do, uh, but, but, you know, you got to work at loving Candace. But no, no, most, it's usually the other way around. But if you love me and hate my wife, we're just not good. We're not good. It doesn't work that way. And loving does not work that way with God. Think about that. That's really, really important. And I know when Jesus said this to those readers or those, uh, to the listeners of that day, people were like, ugh. They were squirming because they knew how to love God. They knew how to look right, wear the right robe, do the things on the right day, worship the right way. Uh, my hands will be up 45 degrees because that's the worshiping uh, the degree of my arms. And I will use a deeper voice because God loves a deeper voice or, or whatever. You know, we make things religious and weird. And God's like, I'll show you how you can worship me. Love that guy right next to you. That person right next to you, that's hard to love. See, we need to learn that. And, and some of us, we're like, John, I've heard this message so many times. I, I've heard this message over and over again. Can you teach me some deeper stuff, right? And if you're thinking that way or leaning that way, I just want to ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing at it? How are you doing at loving and living this out? And, and is, is your life known for loving people well in your neighborhood? At work, not at work, John, don't, don't bring up work. You don't know my manager, you know, right? You don't know that one coworker that always sings songs that no one likes, right? And has a Justin Bieber tattoo on her calf, right? You, you don't know, you don't know my kids, they're crazy. Listen, 
Listen, listen, listen. You might not need this message. Your, your, your whole neighborhood goes to your life group, and you've been baptizing in your hot tub and things like that. And, but if that's not you, right, if that's not you, for the rest of us, we might need a refresher, right, with seriousness because our knowledge far exceeds our obedience. Our knowledge far exceeds our obedience. There was this quote by Watchman Nee. You want to put that next slide up? And it says this, all knowledge is the outgrowth of obedience. Everything else is just information. I was like, dang, that convicted me. <laughs> and, and I was just like, it was resonating with me. And Jesus is telling us to keep the main thing. The main thing is this primary in our lives. We can be good at a lot of things, but don't mess up here, Jesus is saying. Don't mess up here. Uh, and, and listen, I've read a lot of books about loving my neighbor. I did. I have written many, many sermons. I've, I bet I have written more than 50 sermons on loving my neighbor well. And I can say I prayed about it. I fasted about it. But in real life, it's hard. In real life, it's hard. And, and, and it's hard. And I used to pray, God, give me compassion. I don't know about you, but I was not a very compassionate person most of my life right? And so I would, I would literally pray, God, give me compassion. Help me like people. I'm like, I'm, I just, to love people, I need to learn to like people, right? And God, break my cold, cold, angry Korean heart so I can love people. Because some of us, we come from a culture that's very stern, and right, as an, I'm an immigrant Korean, and we grew up poor, and it affects the way I see people. Sometimes I see people culturally in a negative light, and I'm like, I was an immigrant. I know how it is. You have to work hard, blah, blah, blah. I just like, make excuses for why. I just can come off very negative in my life, and I had to work on changing my view into, in the light of God. And then I say, oh, I'm an introvert at heart, right? So meeting new people is not my thing, right? It's, not, it's kind of my thing now, but it wasn't my thing then, right? Caring for people I don't know is very weird back in the day. Loving people was really hard. So I would fail in this area of love being my primary, but this was not an excuse for us. This is not an excuse for me. I need to make progress past my past and do my portion of wherever we are some effort in there because in Christ we have a new identity that's the gospel we shed off our old self we put on a new way of living and thinking we put on Christ's life and his passions and priorities when you ask people what what does it mean to follow Jesus we always like you got to be holy we we do all the characteristics of Jesus we're like he's holy he said awesome things he was very disciplined and and we and he memorized scripture and so like following Jesus is all these like characteristics but when you look at what were the passions of Jesus what were the priorities of Jesus? Because we can get caught up in the characteristics of Jesus and not his actual passions and his actual priorities. Jesus, racism was a priority for Jesus. Did you know that? Sexism was a priority. He cared about the Samaritan woman, prostitute, lady with the five husbands, the woman caught in adultery, the guy who couldn't speak, the guy who needed healing, these things were priorities and passions for Jesus. Are the passions and priorities of Jesus our passions and priorities? Or is it just characteristics that we go after? I think there needs to be a change. And I think that's why he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Because when you see them, you don't see them as them. You just see them as us. And it's a very different way of seeing. It's a new identity. We're part of born again in a new family with different goals, a different way of living, and we're being renewed day by day. It's not just this one day you're totally trans, you don't, you don't transform in a day. It takes a lifetime. The word salvation, it's salvation in the moment, but it's being saved throughout our lifetime. It's this beautiful view of God. And at some point, we need to step into the life that Jesus has planned out for us, not to harm us, but to use us and to bless us and to bless through us that we may bring heaven down. And I know who I am. Listen, I do. But I need to move to who God says I am. It's a difference of understanding our identity. Now, why does this matter, John? Why should we care if loving our neighbors, why should, we, why should I even care about loving our neighbors well? 
And I just want to say it matters because Jesus told us this is what distinguishes us. In John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are mine, that you are like me. You're my students. You're my disciples, that you spent time with me, and you truly know me if you have love for one another. Love for one another. How do you know someone's a Christian? It's not the T-shirt or, or the station in their car or a political affiliation. Jesus said it this way, by the way we love each other and the people right around us. We can either say and see that this is mission critical or we can get really critical about this mission. And once again, we might hear this yet never hear it. Uh, and and, 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 we, and it's, it's really interesting because we can hear this and never hear it. Because I, I, I think I heard this most of my life and I didn't know how to live it. Because following Jesus for me, my whole life, my dad told me was, was following rules of the house. I'm telling you, following rules of this house. And I thought, so when, you, when I grew up, I, I began to think that following Jesus was was like, if I follow rules, then I'm good. If I don't follow, then Jesus doesn't love me anymore. And, and some of us, we grew up in, in, in different ways of um, faith, and we, we thought that following Jesus was being a good person. And then when you're being a good person, you're like, this is not even the person that I am. You feel like you're faking who you are, and you get really lost in religion. And I want to ask you, I want to tell you, can we just start loving people right in front of us like God has loved us? And, and, and so I want, I, this is the gospel. I want to say this. This is the gospel. How do we love people? Jesus came on the scene. We live like Jesus. I want to show you. Have you guys ever watched The Last Samurai? In The Last Samurai, there's an end to the scene where the emperor is asking, is asking uh, Tom Cruise's character, like, tell me how he died, Right? And a lot of times Christians get caught up in telling in just the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I love what Tom Cruise's character says. I don't want to tell you how he died. I want to tell you how he lived. And let's get, can we get lost for a season in this, in this church family? How did Jesus actually live? How did he live? Not just his death and resurrection, but how did he live his life? How did he respond to those who were very far from him? Do we respond in that way? Do we respond in the way? I love how Jesus comes on the scene, and the first thing he does is from the book of Isaiah, it's, you find it in Luke 4, 18 to 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, to recover the sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're here to proclaim the Lord's favor. And Jesus shuts the scrolls and says, I'm doing it right now. You will see this in your lifetime. Watch me. Watch me. And we'll see. You'll, you'll, you want to see God move in your life? If you are bored with your faith and you want to see God move in your life, start joining in on what Jesus actually did. Don't just know the information. Join in on what he did. Join in. Jesus went to a lot of parties. I don't know if you ever read through the Bible and we're like, oh, we don't, John, we don't do it. No, he, he was around people. It was very important for him to be around where people actually were around. It, it, he wasn't, it wasn't all like everything wasn't at a distance. He was willing to get messy in, in, in every opportunity because he loved people. So we are called, I put number one, to serve others. And not to save others. We're called to serve others and not to save others. You and I, we can't save anyone. And, I, and, and, and today, I am not this guru up here. I, I, we are not your source. We, we, we are here to be resources to point you to Jesus. And, I, and I, we can't meet all your needs, but we can point you to the source. We, we, and we live and live as, as we live as he lived. And number two, we serve by relief. And these are just real simple things. This is what you can do even this week. Helping people in the temporary. People in crisis. Crossing over your street when it's hard and having awkward conversations. And meeting simple needs of humanity. You, you know what's so cool? And I just want to give a shout out to Phil Thomas. You know I always complain about my yard. My yard is completely green right now. 
So that day I complained about my yard. Some dude came to my house, manured my yard, and seeded it. And it's really green right now. And, and I know he doesn't, it's not like, oh, go fill, but, and he wouldn't want me to do this, honestly. But it's crazy when you just show up. You hear a need, and you meet the need. You hear a need, and you meet the need. He brought relief to the O family. He did, right? He saw a need, and he just cared. He said, man, I care about you. I'll show up. Number two, we restore. We use our capacity, our skills, our time, our money, our stuff, our resources, and we use them for people in bad situations. God has filled our lives with such capacity. There is such capacity in your life. Some of us, we feel like we can't do anything. I, I, you were dead wrong. There's things in your life that God has placed, skills, wisdom, and, 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 and even resources in your life to use in compassion for others. Use your capacity. And number three, we relate. And this is some, for some of us, is the hardest one. We're like, I'll send money and do stuff, but I don't want to relate to people, right? We get to know people. We create places of community. We cook awesome tacos and have people over, right? We have honest conversations. We use our connections, and we, get to, we use our connections to help people get better jobs. We use our skills to bring people along to teach them skills, we don't see people as projects. We see people as people made in the image of God. And we don't do this for Jesus' merit badges or for Jesus to like you more. He already loves you. Paul talked about it, about his grace, that people were made in the image of God. And we give these people made in the image of God value and dignity, and we help them contribute. And listen, we need to start, uh, we, we need to avoid words like us and them. These are these are not awesome words. Brene Brown wrote, I'm going to use a quote of hers, we've divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. And the truth is, we are both. We are both. And that is the gospel. We are so sinful that Jesus had to die for us, yet at the very same time, we are so loved that Jesus died for us. Woo! So there's a beautiful humility and a beautiful confidence in the gospel of Jesus. There's no one who puffs up their chest and say, look at me, and there's no one who hangs their head in shame in Jesus. We have been saved by the love of God, all this offered to us by him, right? So as we close today and as we stand, and, and we're going to take communion together, and they're going to start passing this out, and communion just represents both humility and confidence. Humility that Jesus died for us, he covered our sin, but confidence that he died for us, that he's for us, that he loves us, and that we're made in the image of God. And as the guys can start passing those out, or the people can start passing those out, I want to talk to those who might need today, need to make a bold move. You need to make a bold move and call on God. Some of us we have tried to do it ourselves, and we have not called on God for a long, long time. We try to carry our own weight, and, and you know what? It's too much to carry. In this life, I have learned that all of us get to a place where it's too much to carry, and we need one another. And if you need to make a bold move today and call on God, and maybe you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, maybe you've never asked Jesus to, to just, man, heal your heart, to make the Spirit of God come alive in you, freedom from your sin, your past, your brokenness. I pray as Christians we become not just aware of God, but we start becoming self-aware. Some of us, we don't even know ourselves. And I think the first thing God does is starts to reveal things about our hearts and our brokenness. And it's a long journey. But allow God to work out your self-awareness in your journey with Him. So, so if you're in this place and you just need God to heal your heart and you just want to be bold, you don't care who's watching, and you're like, you know what, John? I, I just need... Man, I need to get my life right with God. I just need to do right with God. I need him to save my soul today. I need to be I need to give him my allegiance. 
And I need to start there. I need forgiveness of my sin and my brokenness in my past. If that's you, just raise your hand. I, I just need Jesus to work in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring life. You would breathe life. They would feel like newness is starting to begin, like an engine has just turned on, and there's a hunger for you, Lord God, and we're getting right with you, and you are cleaning up the inside, Lord, not just the outside, Lord God. We are being renewed inside out. And I pray, Lord God, for the rest of us, Lord, this week, that we would relieve, we would restore, and that we would relate. And if that's you, we need to do these things. If you've been a Christian for a while or you proclaim Jesus, I pray right now, ask God, God, open up my heart and open up my eyes. Who do I need to reach out to this week to be your light, to be your presence, to be, Lord, a Christian, to love my neighbor as myself? I pray that in Thornton, Colorado, that they would know your name in this place for your love, not for anything else, for your love, because loving others matters, and it starts, it catalyzes a movement of people that begins to love well. And you and I, I pray we, that we would love people well in our homes, in our workplaces, we would care for people, because loving literally changes lives. I was talking to someone today and we were talking about just suicide and that people feel like they're without hope. I pray that we could be hope, a verbal hope, a verbal smile, because, our, uh, because we have a world around us and a world even in here that people are really struggling with just value and identity and worth. And we know it's true. A lot of us have been through that. And I pray that we would open our eyes and open our mouth and have awkward conversations, if need be, to be more like Jesus. To be more like Jesus. Heavenly Father, just be with us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took bread and he broke it. If you can take your bread and just break it. And he said, this is my body that was broken for you. And every time you do this, every time you remember me and by brokenness, Think of your brokenness being healed. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. On that same night, he took the cup. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. I'm starting something new right now. I'm fulfilling all the things I said I would fulfill. And he says, every time you take of this, do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood that was poured out for you. Every time you drink of this, every time you come together, know that you are made new. You have a new identity. You're in a new family. Let's take the cup together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord God. We are so sinful that you had to die for us. Yet at the same time, we are so loved that you died for us, God. I pray understanding that awaken a beautiful confidence and this beautiful humility, Lord God, to live this life like Jesus, not with our eyes closed, but with our hands and our eyes wide open. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Get to know the person right next to you. And just so glad that you came.